Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at infofellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our church center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Just join us in worship. If you're at home or here, just stand up, raise your hands and just worship. Yes, hallelujah. And I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never Oh, there's nothing better than you. 
Amen. I think some of us here maybe need to feel God's love for the very first time. I think some of us here also need to experience or, or, or see God in a new way. I feel like God wants to break out of a mold at some level. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. In, um, in Revelations 5, it talks about how the prayers of the saints are in these golden bowls that are in the presence of God. And so our, our literal prayers are like this pleasing fragrance to God in, in the throne room. And when we, when, we, when we sing praise to Him, when we, when we worship Him, when we, when we love Him back, it's this sweet aroma in the throne room of God. And it just starts with a simple, Jesus, that's it. And I feel like for some of us that maybe we haven't actually received or felt love what, what seems like our whole life. And for others, I think that us blessing God with that and making that sacrifice of praise is something that, um, that, that he wants us to know that your, your, your words, your prayers to God matter. I feel like there might be someone here that's like, my prayers don't matter at all. When I say it doesn't matter, but like the heartbeat behind this song is God's love. He loves us so much. He'd send his like one son to die for us to leave 99 and go after the one and go after your heart. So if you feel like you, you feel like in your heart you wanna bless God and you wanna love him back, or if you feel in your heart you wanna receive that love, would you just lift your, your hands up with me in, in prayer? Jesus, God, I just thank you for your sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for looking at us, for looking at me on the cross and saying that, that, that we're worth it. Father, thank you for your plan in our life. Thank you for loving us first. Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering us, for living within us, and for comforting us. Jesus, God, we bless you. We love you. We thank you. And Father, for those of us that need to receive and feel your love and your presence, I pray the love fall down in this room in the name of Jesus. We can feel your heart for us, which is far more valuable and far more important than anything the world can offer. Prepare our eyes, prepare our ears and our hearts to see and hear and receive what you want for us today. In your heavenly name, amen. All right, give another shout of praise to God. He's so good. Yeah. He's so worth it. He's so worth it. For those of you in the room with us, say hi to somebody and I invite you to uh, grab your seat. For those of you online, I just wanna welcome you. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. It's amazing to see how people can still receive and worship and get that feeling from God, even in their home. So if you've received God's love or you, or you feel the presence of God in your home, type it in the chat, let us know about it. We'd love to be able to connect with you. If you are new to fellowship, whether you're in the room or online, and you just want to find out a little bit more about the ministry, or you want to try and connect with us in any capacity, in any way, please just text the word fellowship to 94000. Fellowship, and then text that to 94,000. And we'd love to be able to connect with you. A staff member will text you throughout the week um, and answer any questions that you might have or connect you into any groups, anything like that. So if you're new here or if it's your first time, let us know. If you're in the building with us and it's your first time, stop by the info counter. We'd love to be able to meet you, hear your story. If there's anything scripture says is that your story matters, that your life matters. And we agree with that. So we'd love to be able to hear your story as well. We're gonna continue with the worship of God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And if there's anything in my life that stresses me out the most, it's gotta be money. Well, and kids, I have young kids, so they stress me out for sure. Um, but money is one of those things that can immediately grab you. And uh, there's a promise in scripture that we can lean on in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where it says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need, thank him for all he has done, and then you will receive God's peace, which is far more valuable than our human minds can understand. And it ends like this, his peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So when you think about this in the idea of finances that might be a worry in your life, the first thing God says is, well, bring it to me. Just give me your worry, just your worry. And he offers this exchange. If you give me your worry, I will give you 
my peace. And as we accompany that with all of the different financial blessings and promises that are within scripture, if we trust him with our money, there's always this option for exchange that Jesus wants to take what we can't handle and give us what he wants us to handle. And finance is a great way that we can trust him with that. So there's a few different ways that we can give here at Fellowship. We won't be passing the buckets in the room. We'll have offering boxes out in the lobby for you guys after service. But a really easy way to give is through the Church Center app. It's all tied into the profile here anyway. It's really simple to just jump on there and give. You can also text to give at 970 281 4041. If you just text your, the amount you want to give to that number, it's a one-time setup. And then after that, it's super simple. Of course, you can always drop it in the mail or drop by during the week. We'd love to see you and say, hey, um, as you um, are giving, I want to just pray over our tithes and offerings and over your financial um, situations in your life as well. So if you feel like you need a financial break, breakthrough, you know someone that needs a financial breakthrough or you'd love to be able to tap into those promises, um, would you please pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for who you are, for how you work and how you move. God, I pray that you can unleash financial blessings in our lives. And maybe if it's not just money, God, you're elongating the life of a car or you're elongating um, a rent check or anything like that, God, I just pray that you can make a way. You know what every single person, every single household needs. And so Jesus, we put our faith and our trust in you. And I pray that you can bless uh, the money and the, the, the gifts that are being given today. Um, Jesus, with your presence and with your blessings, we love you in your heavenly name, amen. So I don't know about you guys, but I feel like during this season right now, this idea of being connected to one another has been under attack from the enemy, like through social distancing, through the pandemic, and then just through, I mean, it seems like every avenue in life, whether it's at home or at work or anything like that. And I feel like it's echoed here in the church as well. The enemy is after this idea of being connected. Well, there's a group and a course called Rooted that its whole objective is to connect you to God, but also connect you with other people. And so I wanted to share a story of someone that went through that group with you um, to hopefully stir something within you that maybe you're, you're feeling that connectivity is being attacked in your own life. But this is Reagan's Rooted story. Rooted was really cool just because it was a different class than what I had taken before. So it literally starts with like, who's God? Like, why is he here? Why do we have that relationship? What does that mean? And then you could read who God is straight from the Bible. And that was really cool just to see it like laid out in black and white. And then you get to like slowly get more advanced and more advanced to those things where you're talking about the enemy and how you really pray and how you fight through battles and how you just live life with God on a daily basis. And throughout the week we would read and you kind of journal, highlight. Mine literally looks like a five-year-old had it because there's so many colors and notes and random things all throughout it. Um, my favorite week was when we talked about the enemy is real. I know in my life group that was really the turning point, that it's a real thing. The enemy is just as real as anything else in our lives. And as real as the enemy was, and as real as he is, we really got to talk about how much more real God was. So that first day, I got to meet the group of girls. It was so fun because there was one group that was like couples and another group that was couples and then this group of women at my table. The safety that was in that room was crazy. Like you would think when you're pouring out your soul to strangers, you would be nervous and reserved, but we laid it all out on the table that first week and I think that really set us up for success. I was a group of women, so we cried a lot, but they were so much happy too and like so many cool things we got to talk about and celebrate and love on each other and we still do like, we're doing life together now. There's something so beautiful about meeting strangers and being able to just to like share what you've gone through and realize that you're not broken and that everyone else is struggling too. Especially in this season where the world is just weird and it's hard to be strong and feel like you have it all together when I know for me, I don't, I literally have a text stream with my group to this day where we talk almost every day and we have prayer requests going constantly about diagnoses, mental health days, what relationships, whatever that looks like. And it 
it's just brought so much community. But I think it's a great place, whether you're just starting out your relationship with God or whether you've been walking with God for 15, 20 years, I still think you can get something different out of it. The best way to get connected in fellowship right now is Rooted. It will change this season of your life. So Rooted is starting in two weeks. It's going to be August 16th, and it's going to be on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. And so everybody that goes to Rooted goes up to the Two Rivers room. Uh, we plug them into a, a group that you go through the course with, and then uh, everybody attends the 11 o'clock service afterward. Now it's a six-week course, but every life group we've had that has done Rooted is generally agreed to continue on their own past that. And it's great um, once everybody's in their life group past the core state, then they, they meet in the freedom of their own schedules. And it's really cool to be able to see how God can connect you to his purpose for your life and everything like that, but also connect you to other people through that. So if God is turning in your heart to sign up for Rooted, you can find it on the Church Center app. It's a $20 cost and that covers the workbook as well as um, some coffee and, and snacks during the course that's going to be up in the Two Rivers room. And it's a very simple and easy atmosphere as Reagan was talking about. It can seem intimidating, but if God is stirring this in your heart, I encourage you uh, to sign up today. There's a lot of other really cool things going on here at Fellowship Church. Let's take a look at them. Good morning, Fellowship Church. Here are a few announcements of what's happening here. Coming up on August 19th, Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m., Pastor Tim is kicking off his science class. Now, this is going to be a seven-week course about the end times and what the Bible has to say about that. So if you've been curious about what's happening in the world and what does that mean according to Scripture, check out this course. There is a cost for the book, and you can pick that up in the bookstore in between services. 4640, our pool party is happening this Wednesday, August 5th at 1 p.m. to 2.45 at the Fruiter Rec Center pool. The cost is $5 and that gets you into the pool and just a ton of fun. So make sure you end the summer with us with a bang with this pool party. Don't miss out on this. Please register on the Church Center app this coming Wednesday, August 5th at the Fruiter Rec Center pool. Starting Sunday, August 9th, in between services, our Life's Healing Choices group is starting back up. Now, this is a class for people who are struggling with just hurts, habits, and hangups, and most everybody has some of those. So if you have something in your life that you're just having trouble getting through and you need some extra support, consider checking out this group. There is a cost for the workbook. You can pick that up in the bookstore in between services, August 9th here at Fellowship Church. 4640 is back. It's going to be so much fun. I've missed you guys. I know you guys have missed us, and we're just so excited. August 19th is going to be the start of our 4640 Outdoor Series. We're going to be doing things like slip and slide kickball, mud fest, uh, water fights, all kinds of awesome stuff out in the field. So make sure you get there. You don't have to register. Just come like a normal 4640 night. It's going to be both middle school and high school on Wednesday nights, 630 p.m. till about 8 p.m. like normal, but we're just going to be outside. So bring clothes that can get wet, bring a towel, and don't worry, we're going to be social distancing and following all of the COVID guidelines. But we're so excited to see you and get 4640 kicked off again outside. Well, thank you for joining us today, church family. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's service. January, just like any other year, I sat down with my journal and my pen and I prayed and I made some New Year's resolutions and I thought about what do I want this year to look like? What are some things I want to overcome? Areas I want to improve in my life? And then 2020 actually happens and none of that actually occurred. And I know that our country is divided in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people on this side of this issue and that side of this issue. But I think there's one thing that we can agree on just across the entire nation. And that is this, that 2020 has been the worst. Okay? Like this year, right? This 
last year has just been ridiculous. In fact, I made a, a thread on social media and I just said, would you just give me your opinion of 2020? And I got 54 responses like that on this thread. And I said, show me the best meme that you found to describe 2020 and, and explain your feelings about 2020. And so people did. And I brought them for your enjoyment this morning. All right, now, if 2020 were an Amazon review, it would be this, it would be one star, very bad, do not recommend. And I asked people like, what, what is going on here? People are trying to find meaning, trying to find purpose behind what's happening in our world. And I think this me may have nailed it. For whoever started playing this game at the beginning of 2020, please finish it quickly. Jumanji is killing us, people. So that could be, that could be it. And then we were trying to decide, like, if 2020 were a chip flavor, what would it be? Orange juice and toothpaste. Okay, that, that's how it feels, right? Now, I don't know what you guys have been doing, especially during like the time when we were all locked down, but most people in America were apparently binge watching Netflix and um, a certain particular series that was very, very popular. Um, it was, uh, did anyone else think that Tiger King was the most normal part of 2020? If you have no idea what Tiger King is, congratulations, don't go research it. You are a better human being than the rest of us. Now. 2020 is a leap year, and I don't know if that's part of the problem, why things are so difficult, but 2020 specifically has been a very, very unique leap year. It has 29 days in February, 300 days in March, and five years of April. I think for sure we all kind of felt that. Now, I'm not an artist, okay? I'm not really into art. I don't really understand a lot of the fanciness of art, but this meme I could really resonate with. Now that I've lived in a plague, I understand why most Renaissance painting are chubby women lying around without a bra. I get it, I get it now. Okay, so again, trying to understand what is happening in 2020, I have to say that there could be a particular commercial that is responsible for this phenomenon. Everything was fine until Popeyes went after God's chosen chicken in January. Remember that big commercial thing and everyone was after Chick-fil-A? <sighs> Okay, so maybe you're like me and you made some plans of what you wanted 2020 to look like. This is a perfect example of my plans, my plans versus my life. That's, that's how it looked. I was planning for Aquaman and I got Rakeman. Um, it's just not going how I intended. And if 2020 could be described as a pinata, it would be a wasp nest. That's pretty much what we're living with, pretty much a wasp nest. And lastly, if 2020 were a drink, it would be a colonoscopy prep, <laughs> right? So these are just the best of the 54 responses that came up on my Facebook feed. And it's funny, it's funny in a sermon, but it's actually been a little rough to really live through. When you really think about what has happened in 2020, this is different than any other year that I've ever lived for, through. And it's kind of like we've all experienced a collective trauma. Like we were all in a car accident together and we can't stop talking about it and we can't stop thinking about it and we can't stop like bracing for what whiplash is probably still coming. And this collective trauma has drawn a little bit of blood. And a little bit of blood is in the water. It's drawn blood because of lost wages. It's drawn blood because of lost vacations, lost medical procedures, lost relationships, lost sanity, lost plans, lost innocence, postponed events like weddings or graduations. So many things have been lost and we've all bled a little and that's caused the enemy like a shark. When a shark smells water in the blood, 
what does he do? He circles, he circles, he gathers up some friends and he circles and that's exactly what I see happening in our culture right now. The Bible tells us that we have a very real enemy and our very real enemy hates our ever loving guts because of our relationship and our connection with the heavenly father and he's after us. And, and most of you know this, but, but his name is the devil, his name can be Satan or the serpent, but he is not out playing, he's actually out for blood. And Jesus told us that his goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy in John 10.10. 10. That's his actual purpose. He, he wants to steal our joy, steal our peace, steal our resources, steal our children. He wants to kill our confidence and kill our peace and, and kill our dreams. And he's not satisfied with just doing that. He wants to destroy everything we care about. The devil is literally the worst. He's the worst. And he'll never dress up in a devil costume with the red horns and the tail and the pitchfork where you can easily identify him. Instead, what the devil does is he actually sneaks his attack in many times straight into our minds. And he plants these little thoughts into our mind in the form of lies. And Jesus revealed all of this in John 8:44. It says, that the devil is the father of lies and of all that is false. So right now we've got this collective trauma in 2020. We're living the last eight months of it. We've got the blood in the water. We've got the enemy circling. We've got him planning these little lies and he's specifically doing it through what I call evil forebodings. Now evil forebodings is a spiritual fancy word that kind of is this. It's defined as a nagging sense of alarm or dread or fear that something bad Bad is about to happen. And isn't, how, isn't it how culture feels right now? We're just all like, what's gonna happen next? We had the locusts, we had the murder hornets, we had the homeschool. Like what is going to go wrong next? We're all just sort of waiting for what is gonna happen. And evil foreboarding is that, is that caution, is that fear, is that dread, that bracing of ourselves of like, what is going to happen next? And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 15, it says all the days of the despondent, and the despondent means someone who's down or depressed, all the days of this despondent and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and foreboding. In other words, the day wasn't evil, but it got made evil by us and our fear and our anxious thoughts and our forebodings. We made our own days evil by our fear and our foreboding. He who has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of circumstances. So that means we can be in the middle of hornets and locusts and all kinds of craziness and we can still have peace and confidence and joy and connection with God because we're recognizing that our peace isn't coming from circumstances, it's coming from within, it's coming from our connection with God. But what the devil's after is he's after our minds and he wants to make us have those anxious thoughts and those foreboding thoughts and he wants to cause us to be constantly bracing ourselves instead of connecting with God in faith. Because the devil knows if he can make us expect something bad, that there's some kind of supernatural connection between our expectations and what happens. The definition of faith is found in Hebrews 11. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Faith is the things that we hope for, the things that we're expecting. And so what the devil does is he goes after what we're expecting. He goes after what we're hoping for and he says, no, it's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be the worst. It's gonna be awful. Faith is expecting God to move and fear is the opposite. Fear is expecting the devil to move. Faith is expecting God to move and fear is expecting the devil to move. So here's reality. Reality plus God is faith. Reality plus God is faith, but reality minus God is foreboding. It's the same reality, but it's adding God to the equation or removing God from the equation that's either gonna give us faith or it's gonna give us fear and foreboding. The ingredients of faith are what we hope, what we think, and what we expect from God. And the ingredients of fear and foreboding are what we're waiting for, expecting, or fearful of from our 
enemy. And friends, we have got to stop handing over the agenda to our day, to our enemy and saying, well, 2020 has been such a mess. There's nothing I can do now. It's just going to keep getting worse. We have to wake up every day and say, I'm going to expect huge things from God today. I'm going to expect God to move in my life. I'm going to expect favor so I can be a blessing to others. I'm going to expect miracles in my life today. (laughs) Psalms 27 says this. It says, what What would have become of me if I had not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. And I wanna challenge each one of us to to expect something big. Don't just say, you know what, 2020 is a total loss now. Now it's just gonna, we just gotta wait for Christmas and hope for a good new year. Like there's still time this year for God to do something big in our lives for God to miraculously show up and I want to challenge each one of us to have that expectation and not just let Satan run away with the last four months because the first eight were a little weird. Ephesians 4 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God is at work in the world today and he is doing stuff through all of this. He's bringing it about for the good of his sons and his daughters. So the Bible tells an epic story in 1 Kings chapter 19 about the prophet Elijah. Now Elijah is a man of God and he had just in the previous chapter done something absolutely incredible, absolutely miraculous. He had gathered himself against all 450 prophets of Baal that lived in the land of Israel. And he had put it to the test at God's direction. He had said, let's gather one team against the other. So 450 against one. And and we're gonna each offer a sacrifice and whoever's God consumes the sacrifice from heaven, that God is the one true God. And so he allowed the prophets of the so-called false God Baal to like offer their sacrifice, to call to their God. He made fun of them when their God did nothing. He said, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Like all kinds of stuff could be happening. Maybe he's napping. They just kept making fun of him. But then in the end, nothing happens. And then Elijah took water and poured it over the altar, poured it over his sacrifice. And then Elijah prayed to God to send fire from heaven. And in the full view of all 450 prophets and all of the nation of Israel, fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice on the altar. It was epic. And then God told all the people of Israel, kill those 450 imposters right now and let us return to serving the Lord our God Amazing, awesome, incredible, monumental day in the history of Israel. And um, then what happened was there was a rumor. Elijah heard a rumor, a threat, a veiled accusation. And Elijah hears these rumors, hears these threats, and he panics the very next day. After this miracle, he panics and he runs and he hides Guys, literally nothing has happened to Elijah. Literally nothing. There's no army assembled. There's no assassin chasing him through the wilderness. He just heard a rumor that somebody was going to kill him. There were 450 people trying to kill him the day before. But this day he hears the rumor and he's like, blah, I don't know what to do. You would think Elijah would have looked at that threat whoever told him that threat and said, you know what, come on. I just called down fire from heaven and my whole country witnessed it. I just instructed my country to kill 450 of our biggest rivals. I'm not scared of your rumor. I'm not scared of your threat. It means nothing, please. And just turned and walked away. But instead, he lost his ever-loving mind. Instead, he let that rumor control him and dominate him until he was completely and totally under attack by the spirit of foreboding. And I just want to ask the question, what rumor have you heard that you've given too much attention to lately? 
What rumor have you heard? Maybe you heard the economy was gonna collapse or that there's no way you could keep your family financially afloat. Maybe you heard that our kids were gonna be so messed up from this. Maybe you heard the election was gonna be a disaster. Maybe you heard the school year was going to be the worst school year ever. Maybe you heard your relationship was not gonna survive this or that the murder hornets were coming. I don't know what it was, but whatever rumor you heard, you can't do what Elijah did and lose your minds. Elijah heard this rumor and not only did he hear a rumor, but he heard it from an evil source. It'd be one thing if he had heard that rumor from a godly source, if he'd heard that rumor from a trusted source, but instead he heard the rumor from the worst possible source. He heard it from a crazy woman named Jezebel who despised him. She's like evil incarnate people. And she was the one breathing out this evil threat. And Elijah heard it, knew this woman hated his guts and decided to freak out. His worst enemy, he goes, oh, well, if you think think I should die, then I guess I should just die. If you think I'm not going to get anywhere and you're just going to hunt me down, then I guess you can just hunt me down. I don't know what to do now. Irrelevant that he just called fire down from heaven. And Okay. It'd be like this. Let me try this. The Olympics, right? The Olympics are in 2020. No, worst ever. Okay, the Olympics are not in 2020, but let's pretend that they were just to make us all feel better, right? And the U.S. is expected once again to dominate in basketball. And so they're out there practicing a few days before the first round and they're, they're sinking their uh, three-point shots and, and they're looking awesome. They're just completely in sync. And all of a sudden, one of their Russian opponents walks uh, across their court and just sort of looks at them and gives them a mean snide look. And then he says, you are going to die. I'm coming after you. My Russian accent is awful. It's okay to laugh, okay? And, and, and then the Russian made that threat and then the US team was like, well, guess we should just pack up and go home then. The Russians think they're gonna beat us. Okay, we're just gonna leave. That's what Elijah did. His enemy Jezebel said, I'm gonna kill you. And he just said, okay, I guess I better run and hide. And so he took off running and he ran and he ran and he ran and he ran, the Bible says, with his, with his assistant. And I don't know if maybe the assistant was driving him nuts. Like you ever had a travel companion that you're like, I have got to get rid of this person. Is it inappropriate to open the door and kick out my own child? I mean, um, like... <laughs> So he's traveling, he's traveling with his assistant and maybe his assistant is saying like, what are you doing, Elijah? You just did this great miracle. God just came through for you. What are you, why are we running away from Jezebel? Somehow he gets so annoyed with his assistant, he leaves him behind and he goes and continues running all by himself. So in a matter of hours, he called down fire from heaven. Then he heard a rumor. Now he's run to the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere, completely isolated by himself is such a puddle of a mess, he doesn't even know who he is. And that is what the spirit of foreboding does to people. And I bet we would never trust a person that lied to us as much as fear or foreboding. We would never trust them. The spirit of foreboding brings the what ifs. What if, and the what if is never positive is never a positive what if. So for example, parents of teenagers in the room, if your teenager is 30 minutes late for curfew, they've got their driver's license and they're 30 minutes late, what do you think? Automatically, you think they are lying dead in a ditch somewhere. Thank you, moms on the front row. Lying dead on a ditch, never, never does a mom think, I bet my son was driving home and he saw an elderly woman on the side of the road with her tire flat. And I bet he remembered everything his father taught him about how to change a tire. And I bet he showed so much character and so much kindness that he pulled over and changed her tire for her. And I bet she was an elderly widow with no family and she wrote him a huge check to pay for college. I can't wait for him to get home. He's gonna walk in the door any minute and he's gonna have money for college. It's gonna be great. We never think that. <laughs> we always think the dead ditch thing. Every single time we think the dead ditch thing. And that's the spirit of foreboding. That's what it does. It makes us think the worst possible thing when there's really no reason to assume the worst possible thing. And if I could just be real, real with you all this morning, I struggle with this fight. 
the spirit of foreboding and the spirit of fear, they come after me. And when I started thinking about working on this sermon and God started putting this on my heart, I thought of what are some clear moments in my life where I could explain how the spirit of foreboding and the spirit of fear work together to attack me. And I think the biggest one was in January of 2018. My life was in a great spot. My husband and I and our kids were just having so much fun. They were finally out of diapers and it was just a good season of life playing with the kids. And I got a phone call one day and it was the worst phone call. And it was where my brother called me and let me know that my dad had just had a massive heart attack and had died. And we were on the phone, my brother and I, and we were making our plan, like, how are we going to tell our mother? Like, what is, what is the best way for this to go down? We're looking at the events that we're going to unfold, planning the funeral, which I officiated, helping to sell off my dad's businesses, running my dad's businesses remotely. The next three or four months were a complete and total blur. But even after the grief lifted, you know what didn't lift? Was this nagging sense that a phone call could change everything. And that's the spirit of foreboding. I kept thinking in my mind, the phone's gonna ring and, and it could be another awful phone call that changes my whole life. This, and the, I couldn't shake that feeling. Here's another example. Earlier this year, when the president got on TV and the president said, we're shutting down the country and I hope we can be back to normal by July or August. And my brain was like exploding. Like, how could this be? What is going on? July or August? How could things be still weird in July or August. That is unforeseeable. But that did something in that moment. A spirit of foreboding makes us all think, wait a second, a something can happen on the news. Boom, changes everything. Or you check your email and there's another email from the school district and you think to yourself, dear Lord Jesus and all that is holy, please don't make, them make us homeschool again. Right? Like you think that because you see that email and you're like, duh, what am I going to do? But it's those one, those events, like an event, a trauma happens and all of a sudden we think that there is no way things are going to change. And it's the, a good fear causes us to think twice. But a bad fear causes us to never stop thinking. And that's what the spirit of foreboding does. It gets us in this cycle where we never stop thinking of anything bad that's gonna happen. And instead of acting like a child of God who has a heavenly father who loves and can protect us, we end up acting like an orphan who has no hope in the world. Romans 8, 15 says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. So God has given us three weapons. We're not orphans in our battle against fear and foreboding. We have three weapons and they're found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, so we know that fear is not from the Lord. When we feel that fear, we feel that dread, we feel that foreboding, it is never from the Lord. That's not how God plays us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And those are the three weapons. So the first one, weapon, is power. Power, and the little Greek word means delegated power. We have delegated power. The Bible tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So we have this power, not our own power. It doesn't come from CrossFit and eating healthy. We have a power that comes from our connection with God and it lives within us and it's delegated to us by God. Like think of it as um, the police. The police have a badge. Now is that badge made of like something cool like off the Avengers, like vibranium or something that just like they flash in and all the bad guys are like literally frozen? Of course not. It's delegated power. People stop when they hear and see a badge from the police because that's the system of laws we have because they know that that agency that issued the badge is gonna back up that badge, right? We have a spiritual badge, if you will, and it's backed up by our heavenly power, our heavenly father who gives us the power. He delegates us the power and we can show that badge of power to fear and fear has to freeze. And friends, it's so important that we recognize that that power that comes from God is connected to our identity as his sons and daughters. And we can stop fear and we can stop foreboding in its tracks. So first weapon is power. Second weapon is love. Now you're probably thinking, what? 
how is love gonna stop fear? Like we're all gonna start hugging each other and singing kumbaya. I mean, you can't even do that with social distancing. So I don't see how fear is gonna, how love is gonna conquer fear. But the truth is, it's not us all loving each other. It's us receiving love and accepting love from our heavenly father. He gives us that love. He gives us that acceptance. He says, you are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. And because of our relationship with him, we don't have to fear. We receive that love and we know that we're treasured and we're valued and we're deeply concerned. He's deeply concerned about us. First John chapter four, verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Another translation says that last part is, but he who fears is not fully convinced that he really loves us. He who fears is not fully convinced that he really loves us. It's our belief and our confidence in the fact that he loves us that he is in control of our situation, that he's at the wheel of our life. And not only is he capable, but he cares at the same time. And because of those two things, we don't have to be afraid. So power, love, and the third one is a sound mind. This one is an action step, a sound mind. Sound mind, the expression sound mind is not found anywhere else in the Bible, that combination of words. It's not used anywhere else, but it means to calm down, to settle down the disciplined minds. The power is something we receive. We receive it from God. The love is something we accept. We accept that he loves us, but the sound mind is something that we must fight for. We have to fight for it every single day of our life by grabbing hold of thoughts and taking them captive. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says this, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Another translation says we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist they bow in obedience to the anointed one. I think it's so important that we recognize that God wants us to be free from a spirit of fear and a spirit of foreboding. God does not want those things to be something that are conquering us, but rather something we are conquering. And there is no weapon formed against us as his sons and his daughters that has the power to defeat us. And so I want us to listen to this song and really take in this song and make it our victory cry. Oh no, you've done it now 
people will prosper. And when we recognize that we have all the delegated power in us that rose Christ from the dead, and we recognize that we have a God who sits on the throne, who deeply and truly and passionately loves us and is in control, then we realize that we can take captive those thoughts. We can come against everything that's coming against us. I invite you to stand together and I want us to pray as a church family. If you feel like the spirit of fear or the spirit of foreboding has come against you, in these last few months, if you feel like he's just attacking your thoughts and attacking your thoughts, listen, you have the authority to say to them, don't tread on me. Jesus said that we will step on the head of the serpent, that God will crush the serpent at our foot, at our feet, and we can have that victory. So let's pray together. God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we ask that you would rebuke the enemy that you would silence the lies of the liar in Jesus' name that's coming into our thoughts and into our minds and into our collective culture. In Jesus' name, we rebuke you and we command you to be silent. And God, we ask that any weapon that's being formed, any stronghold that's being formed, any fear or foreboding that's leaking into our lives, that you would push it back by your power, by your spirit, and that you would give us victory over this. And God, that we as your people, as your sons and daughters would be so full of a holy boldness, so full of a godly courage, that we would take back ground that's been taken and that your kingdom would continue to advance in our lives and in our community and within our church. In the name of Jesus, we break the power of fear. We break the power of foreboding in Jesus' name. And we speak freedom to be released over each one, both watching from home and in this room, that you would supernaturally set us free. And we give you, Lord, all the praise and all the glory. And we all say, amen. All right, church family, we love you and we'll see you very soon. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You can repeat after me, Dear Jesus, I 
am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us here at the church at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click the first time link located in the description below the video. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.